Hey, welcome to our Halloween special. Thanks for watching. I'm Garth. And I'm Wayne. And, and we're, we're the, the Pot Smoking Moms. Shwing! We got a great show for you today. We have costume court, smoking socials, and a new end of the show song. I'm real excited for that. But you know what else I'm excited for, Garth? I'm right there with you, Wayne. It's time for our Smoke Sesh! Hey, in addition to that, I got us a real treat. A little concoction from the Amazonian rainforest. What is this? My neighbor Judith went on a retreat and she had a, a trip with ayahuasca. So she ayahuasca? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah, she brought us back some. She says it'll make us funnier. All right, I'm cool with that. All right, let's so, do it. Cheers. Whoa. Ugh. That tastes pretty terrible, no, but I'm feeling, early. but I'm feeling funnier already. <laughs> that was a bit spicy. Yeah, right. It's like a. Poor rat-smoking moms. They should have checked the terrapines on their scarawana. You know what they slay. If you're gonna smoke the griefer, it better be homegrown. <laughs> Tonight's Halloween deadcast has all of your favorite segments. Bruise nugs, scream time, and my personal favorite, I love you, Diami. So get your bowl and grab your secret slash before we smoke so much, you'll be causing. <laughs> Ooh, spooky hand gestures, cause it's Halloween. This is Everybody do a scream. <laughs> ah, I'm Sunny D. And I'm Captain J. And, and we're, we're the Pot Smoking Moms. Moms. Hey, if you like today's spooky episode, please rate, subscribe, and share our episodes, and just be friends with us on all our social media platforms. Potsmokingmoms.com is the website, uh, so check us out. I don't know about you, but I've been staring at this J that I rolled so ready to smoke it already. Hell yeah. You were hitting that little one hitter, but I haven't been. Yeah, I was like, oh, you're going to roll that? Uh, I'm going to just smoke what I have packed already because I can't wait. Uh, but yeah, we got it, something going on over here. If you've got something packed, if you've got a little J rolled up, it's time for a smoke sesh. Yes, I have a, I twisted up a little J of some white cherry gelato that I picked up from the flowery. Good stuff. Nice. Good stuff. And I, uh, they got the flora cow back in stock uh, at Sunnyside, so I was able to pick up some unicorn tears. So, cheers! Cheers! Light them if you got them. Create some abiots. Let for us the know. Spooky what smoke you're sesh. Have you smoked what we're smoking? Was it unicorn tears and? Yeah, white cherry gelato. This white cherry gelato is a, one of my favorites from there. 
So are you ready for Halloween? Do you guys know what you're going to be? Do the girls know what they want to be? Like, Yeah. I. <coughs> well, I, we need to figure out ours. <coughs> I'm happy we got my daughter's costumes ready. Mm-hmm. Um, we were looking the last couple of days for some costumes. We went to Marshall's and my little one liked the mermaid costume. That looks like a mix between like a mermaid and a sea sea monster. Why? Because it has tentacles? It has like, you know, the little sea monster. It has a headband. And you know how the little sea monster has these little things that's the little Shrek things that stick out of its head? Like I don't little, know what they are. They're like little antennas, kind of? No, or? they're like flat and they kind of like in like, Luca. Like flippers, but on the head? Yeah, something. It's like these little things that do. Oh, this. yeah, yeah. So like a Luca mermaid. Yeah, sort of. Like a sea monster. Right. Like, I She's guess sea mermaids monster, are then. sea monsters. Uh, I guess I don't know. Uh, and the then sirens. we kept looking for uh, the oldest Bo- wanted to go to them? spirit. No, the oldest wanted to go to spirit. She because she wanted to be at first. She wanted to be something spooky, something creepy, scary. But then whatever. I don't know. She backed out of that. We went to spirit. The little one saw those animatronics. Some of them are pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I guess my husband pressed one and that fucking she wanted to leave. So we had to kind of like condense our time there. I didn't even get to see the one that scared her. I wanted to go back and like just look at what scared her. Um, but and the, and then the oldest one picked out a, a pterodactyl costume. Awesome! It's really cute. It looks kind of like if you don't put the pterodactyl head on it, it looks very rock star because it has the little flappy, the little long yeah, arm yeah. things. <laughs> She's like, I love those things. Uh, but I, I don't know. I got to figure it out. Do you have any ideas for your costume yet? I mean, for work, I'm going to be Louisa from Encanto. Nice. Good one. Um, And I'll probably just do that when I go trick-or-treating with my son. I need a donkey plush. Like, Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't happen to have a plush. I don't. Do <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want a giant though. donkey plush so bad. Yeah. It really would tie the costume together. Oh, well. And then I think we decided what we're going to do for the butt crawl. Yeah, we're doing uh, Wayne and you Garth. You saw it. They saw it. Yeah. In the intro. We're going to do uh, <laughs> our, our because that's the song that we've like, that's like the anthem of the butt crawl. Like, I mean, that's the I think first, that's it's everyone's good, favorite. Like, right. It's a great uh, karaoke song and it's everybody a, loves to go bananas yeah, to it. Exactly. That's why we always do it on the bus. This time it'll be legit because we'll be dressed up as the characters. It'll be funny. But yeah. You know, so many different kinds of costumes out there to choose from. Yeah. My son hasn't picked one. I have to go to Spirit. I have to take him like Spirit Halloween or Party City. I was telling Johnny, we should go to Spirit. He's like, what's Spirit? I was like, what's Spirit? How do you know what what Spirit Halloween is? I don't know what Spirit Halloween is. I was like, where have you been for the last? Under a rock. Like, under a rock. How do you not know? And Julian's like, I don't know what it is. He's like, he doesn't know what it is. I was like, yeah, he doesn't. He's 10. You know, he's turning 10. Oh my god! They don't get out much. Yeah, but you should know what Spirit Halloween is. The Spirit of Halloween. He just wants to make me feel like a Halloween dork all the time. Well, you kind of are. What I mean, whatever. There's nothing wrong with being a Halloween dork. (laughs) I love being a Halloween dork. Halloween's fun. It is fun. Don't yuck our yum. So, what are some of the favorite costumes you've ever done? So, (laughs) one year. Damn, we should have. I, I, well, yeah, I, we're horribly, uh, mis- unprepared, uh, obviously. I didn't have but any pictures. I know. I, I asked you that. I, I sh- you. yeah, I should have gone digging around. I'm we the worst did, at taking pictures. Me and my husband did, uh, 
Doc and Marty from that Back was to my the Future favorite that you guys did that too. That was our favorite because it was really weird when we would kiss and we were dressed up. As yeah, that. it's so funny. But you were Doc funny. and he was Marty. Yeah, that was real fun. That was great. I remember did, that year. We did the Ninja Turtles one year too. Really you good were too. I was Shredder and I oh. did my whole costume with like foam and like duct tape oh, and all this. If you're able, Uncle Jesse, I shared it in the WhatsApp chat to bring a picture oh you have that one yeah. i put it in the in the chat you yeah see it? i shared it earlier yeah today. i did i did you were dressed as shredder and i was a hit girl, girl from kick ass kick ass yeah which was awesome it's that was funny because awesome we kind of matched you know yeah we kind of did purple and we we're both ready to throw kick down ass. <laughs> kick ass oh, that was fun you know i i that was probably one of my favorite costumes i did and i'm but i'm like the worst at taking pictures i never take pictures of myself like ever actually I just don't take pictures yeah i know period oh look there it is there it is yeah that's at the old hialeah house we were flock eyes fucking that <laughs> picture bro we were hungry as hell <laughs> we look at us young you pink girl and shredder yeah i had that background in our all of our house parties yeah. for like a good 10 years like yeah we you had that a, shit we made that ourselves and like saved it you had a whole photo booth set up and no pictures she's <laughs> never, never take pictures pic just well, photo okay. booth. i took pictures but like in groups yeah not me by myself so you couldn't really like see the costume well you right. know what i mean it yeah. was always group pictures we did oh i remember one also one of your parties we did uh me and my husband did bob's but he did bob from bob's burgers oh, and yeah. i did that was at this Tina. house we we're at this house already. yes right and you also did uh you did uh jim carrey you did uh oh that was at, like kind of a it was half-assed but it was half -ass, so funny uh, well the jim carrey his was more half-assed by being the damn marino by just wearing the jersey. oh yeah i wore the tutu at you least you were at least the tutu and the boot like ace ventura shorts. right ace ventura. and uh, ace dan ventura. marino yeah yeah that was fun <laughs> <laughs> oh man what but there's you? some really you had some yeah, I, don't I wish i had pictures um <laughs> there's i did bellatrix lestrange one time from harry potter that was another favorite of mine i almost won that year the costume contest oh. but then i lost to pete pete was uh what's that character from watchmen that had the face that was the rock sh rock what's that test oh the oh uh rorschach rorschach there, to him he yeah yeah yeah, yeah i guy. remember that that was a good year that was a good year you know um I was Sarah Palin one year too. That's right. We talked about that earlier, and I was like, "Oh, Sarah Palin." It's always funny when you could turn a political character into a costume, and we got a couple of, uh, in. I mean, they're like, do we really need these costumes? Uh, Uncle Jesse set up uh, a costume court, a little costume court for us. It all started when D started going off on that. Yeah, I was like, what? I looked up for costumes on Sheen, which first of all, yeah, I shouldn't be on there anyways, but, and everything it gave me was like sexy costumes. And I was like, do we really need every single costume on here it's to be It's really sexy? funny that it only gave you sexy it, costume I, op like options. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand, but there anyways. There was no regular costumes. They were all, all of them. Costumes. And I was like, I, uh, <laughs> I just want a regular old costume here, ladies and gents. Uh, but we found a couple of really good ones, uh, like political characters. You could have been a sexy, uh, instead of a sexy Sarah Palin, you could have been a slutty Donald Trump. Oh, my God. No. Look Is that this. for real? The Halloween, oh, Halloween spirit. These really? are the costumes that... Oh my god! Her, her nalgas are almost hanging out. <laughs> oh, 
really? Is this really a thing? This is I. This is, saw, really a, this costume? is a costume that exists. I was like, do we need this? What does the hat say? I don't know. What does it say? Can I you... can't tell what it says. It says uh, make America sexy again or some <laughs> shit like that. Some fucking dumbass. Oh, it says making America great. Okay. It says well. making America great. Oh, so they. With her not guess. <laughs> With her and making America great, making my nagas great. But why sexy Donald Trump? Like, who could ever think of that as sexy? They were like, you know what? We'll, let's we're, make, let's it make it. Yeah. Uh, or, well, I didn't find a picture for this one because maybe this one was something I made up. But a skanky I think you Sasquatch. Made that up. You made that up. I saw the we Nordic. Saw, we saw like a Nordic princess, like some sort of like you saw Viking, a Sasquatch sexy Viking costume, and then you saw like some other sexy one yeah, next yeah, to the it, the Viking <laughs> one next to it. And I was like, a skanky Sasquatch. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> There's. How, was, how do you make a Sasquatch costume sexy? You oh you oh, add lingerie. Listen, you wear it first. You of wear all, like a Sasquatch costume and then lingerie on top. Oh, that would be hilarious. That's <laughs> the way I would make it. But or you can do you could just wear a bikini and then do like the patches fur. of hair everywhere. Yeah, fur on the hands, fur on the boots. That's not the sexy. boots with the furs. No, no. And then that's sexy Sasquatch. Absolutely not. If you need a last minute costume, you guys, and you want an excuse to show off your titties and your ass. Sexy Sasquatch. Why not a skanky Sasquatch? Or what about a hot TNT costume? Wait, what do you mean hot TNT? Like, hot, like a dynamite, like, like a stick of dynamite. Or no, Ninja Turtles? no, not Teenage Mutant. <laughs> not hot. Well, I'm sure there's a hot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costume as well. But this is a hot like stick of I'm dynamite. Sure there is. A I mean, a slutty, uh, whatever. A slutty stick of dynamite. Skanky stick of dynamite. You got the, the picture? Oh no, no, no that's no. a kinky kinky cow. What was that? That is a kinky cow. That was a sexy cow? It's a yeah. kinky cow. Because it's like why it's unnecessary. Look, oh, you oh, put okay. it out of order. That's why. Oh, sorry. You, I, in, oh, your list is oh, here. Yeah, not sorry. the same order. I, I, I'm, 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 fuck, I'm making you look bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Sexy cow. That is a really sexy sexy costume. That doesn't, why would you even that doesn't look like that? a costume? That looks like lingerie. Where would you even wear that to? I mean, I mean, a really sexy party. Yeah. Or like or, uh, if your man's into like humping sexy cows <laughs> or something. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know why we got to make animals sexy. Right. That's, not, that's weird. There's so many sexy animal costumes. We should draw the line somewhere. And I'm say <laughs> I'm going to say maybe draw the line no. at sexy cow. Uh, yeah. The sexy baby is an absolutely no. Oh, yeah. What is up with the sexy baby costume? That, that one's there that for one sure. That one was very disappointing. Yeah. like Not disappointing, we... but, but like, what is it? Scary. It's I weird. Mean, why would you even? It says cry baby on her little bib there. Aww. She's so cute. Like, what are you? Why? why are we? Get to pinta. Why are we sexifying babies? Yeah, not really not cool. Creepy. Not cool. Party city. No, I'm kidding. This is not a party city. Like, yeah, daddy. This one. Yeah, daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty gross. It's so bad. We don't need Such that. bad taste. Like, who would actually buy that costume? Right. And then. Oh, uh, wait. Look, I think. That would be a costume if 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 it's like a kinky thing, a bedroom thing. Yeah, I mean, it would most definitely have isn't to there be. there guys that are into that? Yeah, there's that guy, the guys who like. I heard uh, that there's guys that like, like 
like to wear diapers and be yeah, changed. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that's, that's so, so gross. But, hey, I don't want to like you know hit on your kink. Whatever you're. I don't want to hate on a kink. Adults. But, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right. Uh, I and then I wouldn't want to change a man's diaper. Yeah, I like, mean, we already got no. I listen. Diapers. You you look forward to not buying the diapers. <laughs> Once your kid gets potty trained, why would you want to like submit yourself to that again? Oh my goodness. Weird. Oh. Weird. Oh, and then uh I what I did want to talk about the Joker situation because uh for some reason, Joker first of situation. all, we have like a oh, did we need a sexy joker? Is that a joker? That is a sexy joker costume. That is not a joker with costume. With some vagina floss there. Because I don't almost, understand I don't see the I guess the green hair and pale face. And the purple vest. It's Joker. It looks purple. Love that Joker. But it, I feel like the That's Joker weird. costume has a bad stigma attached to it. <laughs> stigma? Yeah, I feel like... Stigma? You well, maybe a curse? I don't know, man. But I feel like every time you see a Joker at the party, like, stay away from that guy. Because, you know, he's going to be doing whatever crazy shit and saying, oh, I'm in character. It's my Joker costume. And you're like, dude, stop setting things on fire. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so anybody dressed as Joker usually gets too far into they just your experience? Too get, I, feel I know like I've had an experience like that. We have had an experience. And that's why I was like, look, there you go. Case in point. We don't need to uh, like, and that's. But like, that was one, you know? Yeah, no, but there's been several other times when I've gone out to Back in the day when I would go out and do Halloween, go to like the dressed as Joker like just Coconut like Grove gives them shit. the excuse to just be wild. I like, think so. People think, oh, I you know, they use that as their moment to be a Joker for real. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But but Jokers, they they usually transform, especially if you. Yeah, we had a Joker kicking them back. Break a bottle on a table. Oh my god! I was there for my that. Halloween it was party. Pretty epic. <laughs> it was like, whoa! Where? Why? Crazy! You want to see me get crazy? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Broke a bottle. And on everybody the table. was like, we're like, what the oh. fuck? Yeah, we're like, hold on a second. Have whoa! You, calm the fuck down. We're pretty old already, too. We're like, uh <laughs> that was this house already. How many? How many drinks we're have you had, buddy? We're in the original high. <laughs> Put the bottle down. The broken one and the one you're drinking, <laughs> both. Put it down. Yeah, Joker. I get every time I see a Joker oh, in the crowd, I'm God, like, you're uh, like stay away from, that. stay away from that guy. Okay, well yeah. that's good advice, I guess. Stay away from the Joker at the party. Stay away. You also mentioned a little earlier that it's been 30 years since one of our favorite movies, Nightmare Before Christmas, was I released. I can't believe it's been 30 years. Yeah. Since that movie came out, how crazy yeah. is that? And it's still just as awesome <laughs> as it was thirty years ago. Yeah, I love it's it. It's such a great movie to watch. It's a, I love it to show my kids. They like it. They enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I can't remember um, who it was that they had. They, they, their their daughter kept saying they called him. What's this? Oh, the, oh, she called because of the because of the, the song. song. What's this? What's this? Yeah, there's magic in the air. Did you have any? You know, those are pretty good costumes. I would like to do the Nightmare Before Christmas theme. That those are fun. Yeah, that is that is a good. I always like to those. Do. Mm -hmm. Even if they like the mayor, I've seen one where people have done the mayor, and, and they actually make the yeah, switching face. Yeah, that's, that's really so cool. cool. I've seen 
it's fun seeing like really well-made well well-made creative costumes yeah. and those have always like all my favorite costumes that i've done have been ones that i've just put together oh, oh yeah. my god there's the tnt <laughs> TNT, dynamite. Well, if she farts, she's gonna <laughs> set it off, guys. Oh my god, it's over for you. She's cute though, and she's adorable, very well, adorable. TNT. I mean, that's a cute a costume, random. but cute, TNT. But I don't know. I, I can... feel like that's a costume for like a show. Like she's right. Like, she could be a she's... cigarette girl. No, like, like setting like, the yeah. cigarettes, like or, one of those burlesque things. Yeah, like she's on a show, and it's like about. TNT and fireworks and she's oh. one of the backup dancers yeah. and she's like TNT yeah maybe yeah it could be a show about T a, a musical about TNT <laughs> I mean about fireworks or something or just or about ACDC or about ACDC <laughs> yeah she's an ACDC backup dancer maybe she wore that to one of their shows yeah. she's like oh I'm gonna get on stage with this outfit for sure you guys oh my god uh was there any no i've always wanted to do darkwing duck that's oh, the one that i yeah. want to put together i found one person that did a really great job online and if i tried to make it i'd try to like redo what they did with oh that picture's not the best quality oh, i couldn't find cute. a better one but they did such with a good job gun. right because it's really hard to find like the purple trench coat but she did like a kind of like a blazer skirt kind of thing. Yeah. And her cape is awesome. And she even made the gun. Look at the gun. Yeah, that's really cool. We were yeah. talking about how that's much time and effort. I want to do that. That's a good one. That's uh -huh. one I've always wanted to do. How much time and effort goes into like all these cosplay and then the people who do the makeup. I mean, it's incredible. It is. I mean, like that. Look, uh, the closest I got to making something like that was that shredder costume. And that yeah. took a minute. Yeah, because yeah, you were like, you made each of the, of blades, the blades and all that. And yeah. all the hand things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took a minute, but it was pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. You know, once you have kids, you don't have so much time to do shit like that anymore. So yeah. <laughs> you do it for them. You, do you it dress, for their dress. Yeah, you do it for them. I'm at a point where I'm not DIYing shit. I'm going to fucking buy it in a package and slap it on and then we're moving on. If I, I can add a couple of pieces here and there, if it's something that I can like manipulate, but it's really hard to take the time to I, I even want I thought about like getting into sewing and maybe like getting a sewing machine so that we can like even if it's like making clothes for your kids too. or their costume or the costumes. Yeah. Got to craft those costumes. I always wanted to be that, that kind of mom, but I'm not good at sewing. I guess I could try more harder, but. I mean, I feel like if you get the... If I had a sewing machine. I tried. And yeah. I wasn't very good at it. No. My grandma, growing up, she would do uh, a lot of stuff for us. She sold us a lot of costumes. We did... Uh, we went to church. We, we did, like, fashion shows at church where she would, like, make us, like, you know, a combination of dresses. So it was cool. She would help me make, like, Barbie dresses and shit like that. I mean, it's just practice. You just gotta, you know, I'm sure. I don't know. But then again, like time, bro. Yeah. Time. Hey, thank you for spending your time listening to our podcast. <laughs> we love you. If you like what you see, you can go ahead and support us over on our Patreon page where we get together. We do smoke sessions on Discord and all kinds of fun stuff. You could check it out. If you can't become a patron, just uh, like this video. Come, I hope you're watching on YouTube right now. If not, go over there. Yeah, follow you can, us. Yo, you go to YouTube. 
If you are listening and haven't checked out our YouTube page, go to YouTube right now. We got a cute set for Halloween. Yeah, we have a nice little background going. Spooky dookie. This guy with his J over here. I don't know if anybody's noticed that guy right there. He's spooky. I can't point. How do I point? Light him up real quick. (laughs) Me, me, me. Uh, so yeah, just uh, you can rate, review, and share our content. That always helps as well. Um, I think we have a little smoking social that we wanted to do before we get into our interview. Our interview this week is really great, so make sure you stick around. Oh yeah, if you've been wanting to get into the world of psychedelics, this interview that we have on our show a little later on with Hamilton Souther. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The last name Souther. Yeah, Souther. Souther. I think it's Souther. I know. Or I don't know. We I kept <laughs> mixing it up. Souther, Souther, Souther. Hamilton was lovely to talk to, and we talk all about ayahuasca and lovely Amazon. Stick around for that, that interview later. But let's get into smoking socials. I found this. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> right? That's how it's going to go. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Like some sort of silly rock and roll song. Something something that's uh, not copyrighted. Beep, yeah. beep, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> you got it you know it sing it girl all right smoking socials this was on uh the tree subreddit on reddit this was interesting a different type of post from a parenting find from a parent finding his kid smoking what now oh god here we go so today i found about an eighth of marijuana hidden in my daughter's bedroom It was in an inside pocket of her jacket. I went to wash. I wasn't snooping. She is almost 12 years old. 12 years old. Yeah, I feel like if your mom is still cleaning your clothes, you should not be smoking weed. If your mom is still doing your laundry, buddy. I feel like if you are smoking weed that young, you're trying to hide it and you're trying to be careful. I'm surprised to be so careless to leave it in your clothes unless a whole entire age yeah unless maybe she didn't know i don't know keep reading right that's a lot yeah, right and at 12 12 and eighth i feel like that's you couldn't so score young. an eighth at 15 let alone 12 years I old i feel like but okay when we were smoking that like when i was young I, I think it was more common to be able to buy like a 10 piece like a what is it, a dime they call a dime bag a dime or bag, a bag. Or, yeah 10 5 or and 15, I mean, 20, at, at that age, 15, um, you don't have a 20. lot of money to play with either. So exactly. it's not like, you know. I don't know if they still do that. I guess if you're selling to <laughs> If teenagers. you're selling to teenagers, probably. All right. She's almost 12 years old. I'm not religious and I don't want to be one of those mental parents that does something crazy. Although this has proper upset me. You see, she is not 15 or 18 or 22. She is almost 12. Damn, so she's not even 12. She's not even 12. She's 11. I personally smoked from age 15 to about 22, but not a lot. Maybe a joint a week. Yeah, you didn't have an eighth. Yeah, you didn't have an eighth. A joint a week is like a a nick bag, maybe. Not even. Like, you can get two joints maybe out of a nick bag. Yeah, so so my question to you is, what is a reasonable thing for me to do as a parent from now? I say, if you say discipline her on what scale, one equals half laughing about it to 10 equaling going fucking ballistic. If you say have a chat with her, is this five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour driving at home? She knows that I, she knows not that I found it yet. I think I'll get a lot more balanced reason view here than in the subreddit parent. 
or my family equals my family equals basically food. they her family basically seem like a load of people that have never even smoked and think hash equals cocaine or heroin so i guess her parents are gonna like, fly off the handle like she they, can't go to her family for right advice they're right like, you're gonna be fucking psycho weed is just it. as bad as like cocaine and yeah oh help me or just call me a shit parent up to you. i want to say oh where is this person from because even the way that she writes there's some t- things she says differently than we do yeah because she knows not that i found it yet we don't write that shit like that but anywho uh yeah uh yeah I, man I, I feel like first of all this parent seems really okay. cool uh, yeah it's because she's trying to like come so, here you rationalize to, it to get some feedback from audience yeah she wants probably maybe she is asking different points of views but she's coming to people that she knows okay they consume cannabis and probably consume right. it responsibly and there has to be parents in this group of people as yeah. well you know she just doesn't want to be crucified by parents in the parenting department over there yeah just because the parents of we Reddit. all know how that how judgy it can be in the parenting oh, like Jesus. um like chat rooms and stuff uh yeah i don't know 11 so young yeah that is pretty young so the first comment that got voted the most it's pretty big and it's the most popular but it was a very good response you want to read it yeah you read it but it's only over here okay it it's all right yeah. As a daily user, pediatric healthcare worker, and stepmother to an 11 year old, here are my thoughts. Listen to why she had it. Ask why questions. Was it peer pressure, feeling sad, depressed, bored, curious? Figure out calmly what smoking, if they did smoke it yet, provided them. Oh, yeah. Maybe they just got it. Yeah. This generation has gone through a lot these past two years with lots of scary mental health concerns on the rise. Listen and validate how she's feeling. Very good. Educate her when she is receptive to it. Berating never helps. On why cannabis usage at her age isn't wise. I will never be able to lie to my stepchild about the benefits cannabis provides me as an adult, but I will also never lie about the harms of it. Offer and provide other activities to engage in. Maybe she needs an extracurricular activity to divert focus or maybe more leisure time with family or hobbies that she's interested or therapy or anything else that's productive and brings value to her life. I'm also going to question her current friend group, especially if they are partiers or bad influences. Hmm. That might not be your first thing to address. And since kids can definitely push back about being told no, making them do it more. Set boundaries. You're the parent. Make it clear that cannabis usage won't be tolerated as it is detrimental to her health at her age. This should be mutual, if at all possible, an agreement rather than a punishment. But also make it crystal clear that you want her to be honest about any problems or concerns that she has. That she won't be outright punished for making mistakes. You don't want her hiding things. So find a communication style that allows her to discuss things with you. Kids these days are smart. They have unlimited access to information and social interactions virtually online. Work with, not against. It's always easy. It's not always easy, but it typically leads to better short and long-term outcomes. I I love that the username is... Shut up, D. Yeah, I was was like, oh, that's a good name for my social media handle. Um, that's, she makes a very valid, valid points. I think those, that was some sound advice. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty much some sums up the best of the advice that you can get for this situation. I feel like we've talked about it before in the past where we're like, 
We want our kids to be able to come to us and talk to us. That we don't want them to be scared about the consequences because we don't want them to put themselves in very risky uh, situations based out of the fear for for like us reacting a certain way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. I try to like, you know, sometimes my kids do things and I like I get kind of mad, but I try to like chill out and be like, okay, look, you spilled the water on the floor. That's fine. Just you don't want clean, them let's to be afraid it, you know? to call you. you. Want them right. to be able to call you like no matter what situation they're yeah. in. Yeah. So Sid does this thing where she's like, oh, mommy, I made a mistake. Oh. And I'm like, what's the mistake? And then I'm like, it's okay to make mistakes. Just like clean the mess you made or whatever, you know? I can't imagine. I mean, that young having, who knows? I mean, I didn't see an update from the poster, like about what happened. Right. I just kept seeing comments from people usually uh, responding to that main one that we, uh, read uh-huh uh, one person was like i'm 24 and i don't have kids but i'm saving this comment because it sounds like great oh, advice yes yes <laughs> smart right and that's what we said like that's a really she summed it up perfectly but yeah. it, it's like why would 11 year old is it just their friends like, yeah and if she's so careless and she left it and she just found it like that yeah does she maybe, know what it is like i don't know i would have other questions like yeah like how, it got how she even got got it maybe it turned out to be something Mom, I found it in your Innocent. closet, Mom. <laughs> I don't know. I found it in your car. I learned it I... from watching you, Mom. <laughs> and I'd be like, damn, I need to get better weed. <laughs> this is pretty shitty. And eighth, she knew how much it was. Yeah. Well, she said she hadn't smoked since she was like 22. I don't know how old this mom is now, but. She shouldn't be. A, she should listen situation. to a pot smoking mom's podcast. <laughs> Maybe she could have popped into the Discord, asked us real quick, and then handled that situation. <laughs> um, Where are we, we at? We have reached the end of the show. No kidding. We have no, our, we're not. We have our interview. We, we have. This interview was really great. <laughs> I wish we had the means to animate this. some of the stories this person. Oh, yeah. The, he he had some us. amazing stories of people on ayahuasca having their moment and even him like joining them him in their describing moment. Describing his his experience and experiences he's had with people. So I, I really enjoyed this interview and I think all you guys could really enjoy listening to it. Yes. Here it is. Our interview with Hamilton Southern. Well, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Peru, Hamilton. Um, we're very excited to have you on the show because um, something that's always piqued my interest is learning more about uh, ayahuasca. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Is it Blue Morpho Academy? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Blue Morpho Academy is a plant medicine, visionary plant medicine academy teaching both a mystery school and certification courses for people interested in ayahuasca San Pedro Wachuma, psilocybin mushrooms, and cannabis. And we're teaching uh, how to be a sitter, a coach, a facilitator, and a master facilitator. And we're trying to uh, help the entire space get the kind of accreditation and support that individuals need to be able to hold those roles in a professional way. That sounds amazing. And you are a master shaman? I am indeed. I moved to the Amazon 20 years ago and found my way into an Amazonian lineage of plant medicine healers and studied with them and trained with them 
and uh, through that process was given the title Maestro. That's amazing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and how long it took to get that uh, title? Uh, the, the entire experience has been, um, I think, really intense throughout the entirety of my life. Uh, living in the Amazon in its own right is a powerful experience, but then also being involved in the plant medicines, going through a traditional apprenticeship has a lot of tests of virtue associated with it. So you go through lots of difficult experiences to try to make you prove yourself and also be able to handle very intense visionary experiences. So um, in total, I went through a, a very accelerated apprenticeship. Uh, from the time I moved to Peru to the time that I was given the title was just under three years. And from the time that I started the apprenticeship formally to getting the title was just under two years. But typically it takes somewhere between five and 10 years. Wow. And so within that 20 years, you've lived in Peru the entire 20 years? There's only been a few years that I was actually back in the United States. I was living in Colorado right around the time that recreational cannabis was legalizing and we were helping promote the spiritual use of cannabis at that time. So what inspired you to go to Peru and, 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 and be a part of this? In my early 20s, I had a series of awakenings and in them... Uh, there was a very clear calling that I needed to follow to Peru. And so I know that that can be sounds a little strange for some people, but um, it started with uh, very clear lucid dreams and premonition dreams that came true. And then uh, meeting people that knew of what was happening and that guided me. And then ultimately in my own meditations and visions was told that I would go to Peru. And so when I went to Peru, I actually went looking for this apprenticeship. And I was told that there were people that already knew of me and that they were waiting for me and that I needed to go find them. And so oh, wow. I went to look for them to see if it was actually true. And um, I, I doubted along the way. I had a lot of fears and, you know, it seemed kind of uh, out there and intense, but it actually came true. And there really were people in the Amazon that were waiting for me. That's crazy. That's so cool. I, I, I kind of would be kind of creeped out about that. Yeah, like, wow, I know. That's, it may, <laughs> we it's, really it's are all connected. Of, yeah, it's through those kind of connections. I mean, they had been practicing visionary ceremonies for many years, and they were real masters of the arts. And when you have those kinds of experiences with ayahuasca, it opens up how you kind of see the world. And so I think it was through that means that they were able to connect. What would you say to someone about uh, that is interested in trying ayahuasca? Like, what would you say to them to prepare for it or what would you recommend? Yeah, I think the best preparation is uh, first to find a reputable place or people to do this with because it can be very intense and there is an interaction between the people who are supporting the ceremony and the people that participate in it. And so it's very much like finding a good doctor or, or finding a, you know, a quality practitioner of any kind or just like if you're sourcing cannabis, you want to get it from a really good source. So it's knowing that and um, then the preparation before it is a week or two weeks before it just to really clean up your diet to remove like a lot of heavy greases and spicy foods and things like that just because it can be intense on the body and so you know you want to stop drinking alcohol or taking other kinds of substances in the week or two weeks before and different lineages and different centers have different attitudes about how long that should be but i think at a minimum one week is really good and better if you could do two and then, um, you know, try to have as 
lowest stress as possible. It's not always possible to remove stress, but at least amount of stress possible going into the experience. And um, yeah, then just have it and have a really good time. And I don't know if a lot of our listeners are familiar with ayahuasca. What, can you give us a little bit? I know, I know it's a ca cactus, but I could be wrong. Right. Ayahuasca. I think you're talking about San Pedro or peyote. But yeah, peyote. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the cactus. But the, yeah, I don't know. Sure, sure. Uh, ayahuasca is a, it's a tea. First of all, the easiest way to describe it is a tea. And it's a tea made of very strong medicinal plants that grow here in the Amazon. They actually grow right behind me. And the ayahuasca itself is a vine and it grows up. It's a leafy vine and it grows up trees and stuff. And you harvest the vine and you use the vine itself. And it has potent alkaloids in it, potent chemicals that are visionary. And then you also combine it with the leaves of the chacruna tree. And chacruna has strong concentrations of DMT or dimethyltryptamine. And so the combination of the two makes for a very, very long acting DMT experience. And that can last anywhere from three to 12 hours. And it's and like That's it's intense. as much as a it, it, uh, the concentration of like a tea you would say like a tea bag or something. Yeah, you you drink. I mean, you you have a different concentration of plants to be able to turn it into the the tea. But you cook it in big pots and you just fill the plots with the plants and you cook it for many many hours and then you boil it down into a, a reduction. You reduce the quantity so it's more concentrated. But fundamentally, it's a water based tea. And you drink it just like if you were going to make tea at home, only it has a lot stronger uh, substance associated with it. It's a lot stronger. Um, and there's a very interesting interplay between the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaves. The, if you drink chacruna by itself, nothing happens. There's an enzyme in the stomach that breaks it down before it can be absorbed. But with ayahuasca vine, it inhibits that enzyme. And so you can absorb the DMT through the stomach and then there's also an interplay in the brain that's very interesting. The ayahuasca vine is a MAO inhibitor. So it inhibits the uptake of different kinds of neurotransmitters in the brain. And when you have DMT with ayahuasca in the brain, it lets it last much longer. So when people smoke DMT, it lasts 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And when people drink ayahuasca, it lasts three to 12 hours. Hmm. Tell us a little about the different roles that you were talking about in your academy, because you said some people um, like was it is it they take care of the people while they're going through the trip. What are the different roles that um, are involved in this process? Yeah, there are four roles that we identified as being really important to providing people support while they go through psychedelic experiences. And the first is a sitter and the sitter is there to be sober and know how to handle any kind of emergency, get you anything you need, support the people that are there, um, you know, not be under the influence of the, the substances or the psychedelics. And they're trained in handling emergency. They're trained in, uh, you know, immediate first aid if necessary to give it if there's a problem or how to communicate with, uh, you know, emergency staff or authorities if necessary, just in case of anything. I mean, the idea is to create a space that's safe for people to have these experiences. And then there's a coach and the coach is the advice giver. They're the before, during and after person who orients and talks about the plants and, and psychedelics and helps people understand them and how to understand dose and the differences between them and 
all the different kinds of advice that people need. Also, how to approach the psychedelic session itself, what can you know be experienced, what are typical experiences and typical outcomes, why you would pick, say, cannabis instead of ayahuasca or San Pedro instead of psilocybin mushrooms, why you know the you would want one or another based on your purposes for being there. And then there's the facilitators and the facilitators uh, actually consume the psychedelic substance along with their participants. So often you'll have facilitators that will work with sitters and uh, knowing that the facilitator is also going to be under the influence. And they start to learn the traditional ways of actually working with people in the visionary states. So as people start to have a psychedelic experience, the indigenous communities that used these medicines learned how to influence and support the experiences that others were having when everybody was in the visionary experience together. And so uh, facilitators learn how to do that. And a master facilitator is taking all of those skills of the sitter, the coach, and the facilitator to a master level. Wow. And, and how many, like, is it one sitter and one facilitator per person or do they work with multiple, like, is there like groups? How does that work? Yeah. It depends on the individual circumstances. So often you'll see one-on-one -on -one care where there's a sitter or a facilitator working with one person, but then you'll also see small groups and all the way up to larger retreats. I typically work in groups of 30 to 40 people when we have ceremonies and you'll hear of larger groups, but as soon as you start getting over 30 to 40 people, that's starting to be considered a larger group of people. That's a large group. Now, how many sitters and facilitators would you have for 30 and, and coaches would you have for 30 to 40 people? Yeah. With 30 people, um, I can be a sole master facilitator and then just have an, uh, usually two to four other sitters with us and another two to four other helpers. And how long do the ceremonies typically last? Uh, typically anywhere from three to six hours is the formal part of the ceremony. And then they last throughout the night. So we start them in the evening and some people are done and ready to go to bed by 10 p.m., 11 p.m. And other people need until two, three, four in the morning. And so they can stay in the ceremonial area. There are uh, cushions there that people lay down on that are very comfortable. And they just hang out as they're in the phase that we call landing. It's after the peak experience of the visionary uh, experience, and then it's just the the landing phase. And for some people, it's longer, and some people, it's shorter. Can you tell me um, so what are the benefits of trying something like this? Why would somebody want to go and try ayahuasca in the in the jungle? Why would what would be the benefits of this experience? Yeah, I think there are a myriad of benefits. There's like a, a very long list. The Ayahuasca has been known for thousands of years to be a very potent medicinal brew. And so people have a variety of healing experiences associated with it. So I think the first reason is, is transformation or healing. And it's been proven to be really successful for healing depression, anxiety, PTSD, and addiction, as well as trauma and trauma-induced psychological states. So, uh, you know, a lot of people come to get over their past, to get over bad relationships or abusive situations they've been in, or just the traumas and loss of normal life itself, like the loss of loved ones and just some of the harder parts of living life. And then some people have had really difficult and very abusive situations in their life, or they've come out of war, you know, they're veterans, et cetera. And they've, they're really looking for an intervention and a solution for their life. And ayahuasca has been very potent and very 
very uh, positive for that. So has psilocybin been found to be a great treatment for that and cannabis too. So all of those are great medicinal plants to help that. And then, um, so let's go on the psychological level. And then it's also used as a great cleanse for the body. And so people who have gastrointestinal problems, Crohn's disease, uh, incurable intestinal issues often come to ayahuasca looking for intervention and support and many times get help with that. And then um, there's a whole group of illnesses that are very difficult to diagnose with Western medicine, which are psychosomatic illnesses. And psychosomatic illnesses are where something's happened in your psychology that now has a physical manifestation. And ayahuasca has been found to be a very potent solution for healing that. And that can look very miraculous for some people because the problem is fundamentally psychological, but it manifests physically. And so in one night, you can fix the psychological origin of that and the physical illness just disappears. And so it's also gotten a, a tremendous reputation for those kinds of miraculous uh, experiences. And then the other side of it is the visionary and um, sort of consciousness side of it, where people have exploration, tremendous learning, uh, downloads of, of realizations and knowledge, feeling like they're connected to something greater than themselves, ego transcendence, uh, tapping into source and something you know far beyond our normal ego experience and that's something people are now really starting to understand and find incredibly fascinating and of great value to them are the only uh look like the only retreats that that offer ayahuasca uh ceremonies only over in peru and in in other countries is there anywhere in the united states where this is available do you know well, there are a few church groups that use ayahuasca in the United States that I know of, and they're operating under freedom of religion. And then there are a lot of ceremonies I heard of that are uh, with people that are organized individually. So a shaman comes up and does the ceremonies for a short period of time and then moves on to another area. And there are some other kind of you know groups that I've heard of doing ceremonies, but the real retreats that you hear about, I know are in Mexico, Costa Rica, uh, Peru, Ecuador, Brazil. Those are the main areas where you actually see, and sorry, and Colombia, where you see uh, ayahuasca retreats taking place. Basically anywhere that the, there's the rainforest, basically, right? Yeah, where there's rainforest and where the plants grow well yeah. and um, where there's also a, a different attitude about the legality associated mm -hmm. with participating. So there, there must have been so many indigenous cult, uh, you know, tribes and cultures that use this, not just you know, in Peru, like you mentioned so many different places. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. If you think about the Amazon basin, the actual, just the whole Amazon, it's bigger than the continental United States. So, you know, east to west coast is down here. The Amazon is that big of a space. And so where there are tribes in Brazil, southern uh, Venezuela, Ecuador, Colombia, Peru, Bolivia, that all have a history of working with ayahuasca and I figure that the tribes just shared it. Whoever was the people who discovered it, there were great trade networks through the river systems here. And the tribes traveled along them and, you know, ultimately shared this culture all over that area. So it would be, you know, a space much bigger than Europe or much bigger than the United States that was participating in these kinds of plant ceremonies. I feel like um, we're definitely been talking mostly about ayahuasca because I feel like that's yeah. the most interesting and interesting right. We haven't thing really talked about that in the podcast. Show, yeah. It's kind of a little, it's always a little been about new. psilocybin or cannabis. right. Psilocybin is just here. Psilocybin is starting to get gain speed. 
yeah. don't know that people are are like people are starting to talk about a lot more psychedelics. But ayahuasca, I have not. I'm, you know, I'm this is intriguing for that. me. I've, 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 yeah, we, we don't know much about that. Well, I'm happy to talk about it. It was the most fascinating thing for me when I found ayahuasca in my early 20s, uh, which is now 23 years ago. It was the most intense eye-opening experience that I ever had. And then to get invited to be a part of an Amazonian lineage and uh, apprentice at that time was really unheard of. There was taboos against it. They didn't teach foreigners or outsiders. It was a very secret thing within their cultures. And so uh, I'm happy to talk about it. And I know it's a fascinating subject. Very fascinating. And did you find any like people kind of resisting wanting to teach you because you're a foreigner or like, cause you said you found people that were expecting you to come, but did yeah, you resist the rest. some people? <laughs> the the rest of them, <laughs> everyone else was not interested in teaching like, anyone from outside. Uh, it, it's very, you know, it was family driven bloodlines and people could marry in and out of the families, but you had to be in the family of people that practiced or in the tribe of people that practiced these uh, plant medicines to be able to learn. It was something that was passed down generation after generation and the knowledge was considered something very sacred and very secret. And um, so I had to, you know, I had to be accepted ultimately. And it was a great period of transition in the last 20 years where people of the rest of the world started to really pay attention to the value of these medicinal plants. And it turned out that, you know, there were these incredible visionary plants that had these amazing experiences associated with them. And it was of great value in the world. And so little by little, the tribes and the, uh, you know, the lineages agreed to open up to Westerners and support them more in their own medical needs and their own spiritual needs. But yes, at first there was a lot of resistance. Yeah, I would think that would be like you would really want to share that with the rest of the world because it really helps people become better humans when you have these experience. It does. It's an eye-opening experience and it shows you more about the world and shows you more about yourself. And there's a kind of deep uh, questioning that takes place in it as you go through the process of the, the plants where people have a lot of introspection. They let go of a lot of negative things. They gain greater insights, often much deeper understandings about conflicts in their lives. They come to be able to resolve those conflicts. They can let go of the past, which often is coloring people's experience with different kinds of negativity and difficulties that they had. And to be liberated from that is a tremendous gift. What would you say to somebody that's like, like, I've always been interested in trying it, but I'm kind of like nervous about it because I know it's a very, um, like you said, it's a process. You need to make sure at least a week out that you've, you've been eating well, you have no other substances in, and then uh, you hear about you have to purge you, yourself usually when you're finally starting to come into the like. So would you say if someone's nervous about trying it that they shouldn't, they should be wait, you know, like you said, don't have stress. What would you say? I think else. nerves are common. I, I think everyone gets a little anxious before a ceremony and that that's okay. <laughs> um, the way I kind of think of it is, uh, first of all, on the purging side of it, I think people have made too much of that. Yeah. Uh, purging has a purpose and it only happens when you need to let go of something. And when it happens, it's really miraculous because it's rare in our lives that you can actually throw up or go to the toilet and actually have a transformative experience that's healing for you. 
So we typically think of getting sick. And because of that, throwing up is a really negative concept. We don't usually think of it as like, wow, I'm getting something out that's really toxic and I'm getting a lot better for it. And so I think first there's that part of it, but going into this always has a little bit of anxiety and fear and edge associated with it. So I would just accept that as being part of the process and, you know, uh, just listen to yourself. If you feel like this is something that you want to do and have the experience, think of the millions of other people who've had the experience that it's been very positive for them and just go in there with an open mind and, you know, see what happens. For most people, it has some difficult moments, but it, those difficult moments are very small compared to the tremendous gifts people receive. And one thing we have a little more available to us is cannabis. Um, mm. Is that something that we could use also ceremonially like you do? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Cannabis is an incredible ceremonial tool. It was used... Um, by the people that was, you know, before China, but think of the China, China area, but before it was even China and think of India before it was even India and going up towards Afghanistan before that was even Afghanistan, cannabis was being cultivated. It's one of the oldest medicinal plants and visionary plants that's been used. And I think one of the most valuable, I'm a tremendous uh, supporter of cannabis and uh, think it's a fantastic medicinal plant. And I think it's a, a you know, in, in just an incredible uh, experience altogether. Um, cannabis can be used ceremonially. Typically it's used with much larger doses in a ceremonial context to the point that it actually becomes visionary in its own right. And so a lot of people don't use it that way anymore and they've kind of lost the art of it. And it becomes more of like a, a thing that they use to relax or, you know, social experience with others. But uh, ceremonially, it can be a very, very potent and powerful tool and has been used that way for thousands of years. Typically, when we think of a cannabis ceremony, you get a group of people together, you set up an area that you're going to do the ceremony in, which could be your living room or just like a nice chill out zone. You know, but you everyone agrees that it's really going to be about meditating and not so much like hanging out and talking. And uh, you're going to have a much larger dose than you might normally have. And you're going to you know, really go into the experience and um, set intention for the experience, like why, what you're doing, why you're doing that. It could be just to connect. It could be to learn. It could be to meditate. It could be to release stress. It could be to receive uh, some kind of spiritual intervention or healing. You guys set that intention together and then you have the ceremony. Now, the ceremony could be with music that would be appropriate to the experience, or it could be with a ceremonialist who knows how to actually hold the ceremony and may use different percussive instruments and knows how to induce a deep meditative state or a trance and help people really kind of get into that altered state. You know, when we would do ceremonies, the ceremonies would last anywhere from six to 10 hours. And um, dose wise, you know, people would usually have somewhere between 50 to 100 milligrams of edibles, sometimes between 100 and 200 milligrams of edibles. And on top of that, usually vape or smoke another maybe two to six grams of flour. Okay. So That's usually right. a much larger dose. You know, yeah. some people who couldn't who couldn't handle that much obviously had less, but that was sort of like the middle ground for people That's that would right. have this experience. And that was obviously that is not recommended you know, your typical 10 milligram, five milligram, 10 milligram edible 
or being very careful with how much you have smoking, et cetera, is the typical yeah. recommendation. But this is a focused ceremony where the whole idea is to enter into a visionary state and uh, set that intention and have it set up that way. How would that work for somebody that edibles tend to not work for them? Like, Just don't use them. Just yeah. use what works for you. <laughs> Yeah, vice versa, right? I mean, vaping doesn't work for some, smoking doesn't work for others. The really the beauty I think about cannabis is the wide varieties of ways to consume it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you can find what works for you. I think really what's important is that you have a dose that's beyond that normal threshold for you. So, you, I mean, I think we've all had the experience where we've just gotten too high. We're just like, whoa, I'm way too high. <laughs> I, I just had that. This podcast. I fall asleep when I get <laughs> since we started this podcast. No, no, no. no. no as before, you know, we've, we've, had, right. we've had that moment. The whole idea is to go way beyond that. That's my point. The point is like, that's just the threshold of where the ceremony starts. You know starts. what? And maybe if Let's you do, do a ceremony, ceremony, we would probably have to do, like he said, cleansing before. We'd have to take a tolerance break uh, before to prepare yeah, a for our ceremonial break. Dose. Yeah, you might want to have that and then a ceremonial dose. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea also to take a few breaks every now and then from cannabis just in yeah. general. You know, I think I, what I recommend around cannabis use is ask yourself why you're using it and how much you're using and be honest. Mm -hmm. and because we know that one of the negatives of cannabis is the tolerance that gets built up and people who start to use it as a habit or a crutch. Yeah. Right. That's That's where I see like, you know, people kind of kind of go the other way with it. And then they stop using it as the medicine that it started for them or the thing that was really positive for them. And so I think with that, you want to just be honest with yourself where you are in your consumption and taking breaks is always positive. You know, we have a friend who does the ceremonies, Cannabis Joe. We need to go to one of those yeah. because they always look very, very magical. Like it looks like everybody has a good time and, you know, everybody's there to work on themselves. So that's really interesting. You have a so uh, Blue Morpho Academy Mystery School. So you teach people also not only do you have the ceremonies, but you also teach people to give the do to do the ceremony to do the four different roles and you right? give us Correct. a little more on how that works yeah the mystery school is launching this month i've been doing it informally for many years but i decided um after a lot of people asked me to create one and hold one to actually formalize it and the idea is this to teach the ceremonial skills to teach people how to be able to use these for other purposes, the purposes of their intentions or uh, spiritual reasons or, you know, more formal reasons, how they want to incorporate the different plant medicines into their lives. And then we get together once a week on a Zoom call and uh, we share what's going on with us and any questions that we have. And there's a Q&A. And then there's also a, a lesson about a certain skill associated with um, working with the plants from a mystical perspective and mystical tradition, which could be about uh, how to navigate visions or how to go into visions or how to change your visions when you're having them or how to communicate uh, with others, et cetera. There's a lot of different skills that we learn. And then we get together and we have a ceremony about that. And some people do it on their own and some people do it to, in small cohorts inside the school itself. Uh, and then they come back and they report their findings and they share their knowledge and their wisdom with each other. And it's a real community vibe. And 
often people in the psychedelic community feel alone. They're not sure uh, where to get a mentor or how to get expert help. They know there's more going on behind the scenes and they want to know more. And so that's where we're there to be able to help them. Is this like a virtual school that can be done online or do they have to go to Peru? No, it's a virtual school online. It's a global school. We have students from all over the world, um, literally all over the world, from from Australia to Asia, all the way across Europe and North America and South America, I mean, from everywhere. And it's an incredible global community. We do it all virtually. And then we also gather for specific and special events where we come together as a community and hold these ceremonies together. And where do, where do you normally do those special events? All over. Um, we're going to have an event next year in Europe. We have them in Peru. We've had gatherings in the United States. We we meet where we can work together in a place where the plants are legal. So, you know, in the States, we work with cannabis and in Peru, we work with ayahuasca and San Pedro. And, you know, in other places, we'll go work with psilocybin. Yeah, it looks like psilocybin is starting to become more and more uh, acceptable, acceptable. talked about here locally. Yeah, here in the in the states, that there are more yeah. and more legislations coming out making it um, available, at least for medicinal purposes. Yeah, there's a great decrim movement happening as well, and then there's also you know the legalization movements, and I support those tremendously. I think that these are really the divine right of humanity. We've had these plants for our entire history. It's only recent that they've been. Uh, legislated against and that prohibited by different laws that's only very recent in our history like human history is over a million years and it's been less than a hundred years that these plants have had these restrictions placed on them and so i support the legalization and i hope open-mindedness returns to us and we can continue to use them and as we do that we'll support the communities where they're you know where they can use them legally so your school's mostly all with like natural medicinal plants um what do you what have what have you heard or are you familiar at all? Like I've also seen that like ketamine uh, therapies have been be becoming a thing, um, uh, MDMA as well. But that's more, you know, chemical. Like uh, like it's not like a natural plant. Right. Yeah, I think the the plant chemical debate happens a lot. Um, fundamentally, I just always ask, what's the purpose of taking it, and what good is it doing? And what I see right now is that ketamine and MDNA are doing a lot of good and they're really helping people. And so I'm a tremendous supporter of those as well from that purpose. And I think, again, just like we said about cannabis, you got to ask yourself why you're taking it and for what purpose and um, what are the benefits of that for you? And so I see when we use ketamine for the purpose of both, again, healing and exploration, it has tremendous power and benefits for people as same thing with MDMA. And I'm not as familiar with them, so I don't know, you know, how often you can use them and still be safe and stuff like that. But I think that it's important that we stay within that safety parameter and treat them with the respect that they need. But I think they're very powerful and very positive. Can you tell us a little bit about your first time telling, trying ayahuasca, if you're willing to share that experience sure. with us? Yeah, my first time was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm still integrating my first experience. <laughs> Um, I was in my early 20s and I had traveled uh, into the Amazon up this tiny little river with a couple friends that I had met traveling. I was traveling by myself, but I met this young couple that was, uh, you know, doing kind of like a year abroad between high school and college. And they were uh, traveling as well. So we all ended up going on this trek together into the Amazon. We had a guide, but it was just us. And along the way, we picked up an ayahuasca shaman 
and we headed into the forest and we went and we actually collected ayahuasca from the forest and chacruna together you just found him in the forest the guide the guide knew a guide knew he's like do you guys want to drink ayahuasca i'm like yeah that's why i'm there and so the guide knew so he stopped at a small town and he asked around and he found the guy and the guy was willing to do a ceremony so we he kind of jumped on, he jumped into the canoe with us and we went off into the forest together. It's quite magical. And yeah, we went deep into the forest. Um, we're on this tiny little river. Uh, there was just these like few little houses spread out across the river, like the tiny shacks. And um, ultimately we were at where up river from us, there were no inhabitants. It was like no one else lived there. It was just, it was just the, the forest. And we cooked ayahuasca together that first day. And so I got to see the whole process and participate in it, which was also magical. And then that night we sat down to drink it and he poured me this cup of ayahuasca and I had no way to know whether it was a lot or a little, I didn't have any way to dose it, but I just drank it and it, it went down so smooth. And to me, it tasted so good that I couldn't believe that anyone would throw it up or anything. I just thought like, wow, this is amazing. Like, wow, this is, you know, and then I thought, oh, maybe I haven't been given enough, you know, cause it, it didn't start right away. I didn't know what I was thinking. Then in about 15 minutes, I kind of looked around and I mean, we were sitting outside, right? So like there's a river and I'm, I'm looking around and everything starts to get pixelated, like everything, like you can see the air, like every bit of air was now a pixel. I'm looking around, I'm thinking like, wow, okay, something started. And then the, <laughs> then the shaman started, started shaking this leaf rattle called a shakapa and it makes a shook sound. It goes, shuk, 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 shuk. And as he did that, I'm looking around and the pixels all start to turn into geometric patterns. Oh my God. Right? I'm looking through these geometric patterns everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, something, something just happened. This is strong. Like, like, what is this? Like, oh my God, what is this? And it started getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it didn't get, it didn't stop getting stronger for four and a half hours. Oh my it God. It just got, that was nothing. That was, it was just like, Stronger and stronger and stronger. At 17 minutes, I started throwing up. Like I could not handle it. I was so out of my element. I started just throwing up and throwing up and throwing up and throwing up. And then I got really scared. I I really did get really scared, but that's on me. I got scared, right? Like it wasn't that it made me scared or anything. I got scared over how intense this was. And then it was like, like something took over my consciousness, something took over my psyche. And it was like, you'll look at this, you'll look at this. And then I like my whole life defragged in my head, like my whole life came apart. And then I went through my whole life, like, uh, as if it were like a hundred strobe lights all flashing at the same time, every flash was some memory or some aspect of my life. I did this whole life review. And anytime I came across trauma or negativity or things that had made me depressed or anything like that, I threw them up. I literally like threw them up out of me and I saw them coming out of my mouth. Wow. I couldn't believe that. And then I looked over and a bush had turned into a wild boar and it was a wild boar and it was talking to me <laughs> while, while I'm throwing up my life and I'm looking at it and I'm, and, and I'm like, I oh, know that's a bush. It was a bush earlier. And it looks at me and it goes, do I look like a bush to you? <laughs> and I look back and I go, no, you look like a boar. He goes, well, don't call me a bush. You know, he's like, he's like talking like that criticizing me and like, like, you know, like talking, like almost like a commentator talking about the experience. And then I look over into the the wall of the jungle that's like across the river and it's maybe like 50 yards away. And it's just, it's like 30 foot wingspan hummingbirds are in the, the wall 
like that and they sound like a like a like airplane they're so loud their beaks are like yeah like a helicopter their beaks are like you know 12 feet 15 feet long bright colors exploding in rainbows all exploding as they wow. as they were hovering there like that and then i would go back to throwing up throwing and then uh, yeah you know, it was intense. It was super intense. And there was this vortex that was sucking me into the vortex. And every time I did, it would make me go crazy. And it felt like I was going insane and I'd have to throw up more. And then after like, after about four and a half hours of that, I thought I couldn't take any more. I was, I was in the dirt. I was like dug in. I couldn't move anymore. It was so intense. And then, um, and then at that time, the shaman came over me and he did a healing on me. He blew mapacho smoke over me and he did this healing on me. And then the most magical thing happened. I think one of the most magical things that ever happened in my life. I felt, and like literally, I felt hands squeezing my stomach like this, like squeezing and then going up my stomach, up my esophagus. It was very painful, but I felt hands, literally hands like this going up. And they walked all the way up to my throat and they squeezed here in my throat. And I vomited this big vomit and I felt my jaws unhinge like a snake, like my jaws unhinged and a physical object the size of a small lemon came out of me. For real? Like a real object? A real, a real you, object. Yeah. It was imagined no, it. no, 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 no. It was there when you were sober. It was there. Oh yeah. It was a physical object. It was about, as, about the size of a lemon and it held its shape like an egg for about five or 10 minutes. And then it slowly kind of like, like uh, came apart and then was just there on the ground. And when, yeah, and when that happened, everything in my life that had ever been an affliction, everything that had been pain and suffering, everything that had been negativity, all the problem, everything, I mean, just everything vanished. Everything went away. It was all in that thing. It was all in that thing and it vanished. It went away. I mean, it literally, it went out of my mind. It went out of my soul. It went out of my spirit. It went out of my body. It was a kind of magical intervention. And the visions all turned to just incredible beauty, rainbows, beings like angels, these light being things were in these visions and they were all super loving, like super, super kind, super loving, super congratulatory. And they had told me that I had been healed and that I had found my apprenticeship and that I would ultimately stay there and live and train. And that's exactly what happened. That entire vision came true. Oh my wow. God, I literally got chills. Yeah. I literally what? got chills. And okay, and yeah. then since you are, since you're doing the ceremonies now, have you ever been able to see someone kind of go through that, or some people? Oh yeah, yeah, it happens. Thing? It actually happens all the time. Of them? Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens, and it, and people will come out of the ceremonies and they'll say that a physical thing came out of them, and when it came out of them, the healing occurred for them. And sometimes they, they, they say it comes out like BBs, like little ones that hit their bucket and they can hear them and they know that stuff's coming out of them and it's magical. It's, oh. it's something that's part of what they know of as their medicine. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life, but also one of the hardest, but also one of the most like earned and well-deserved. Like I survived the first part of it and to ultimately get to that point and it, it fully revolutionized my life. I mean, it changed everything from that point going on. I mean, but I, 
Uh, okay, I I'm a puker, and I feel like when I <laughs> and I puke a lot, it's physically draining. How can you even like keep up with all of that? I could only imagine you how much hydrate. You puke. That's like, why you oh need a gosh. sitter there. To, I guess like, you need someone there to help you. Yeah, just in case. I mean, that's why it's done in a ceremony. It's a very this is considered a very powerful treatment. Yeah. This isn't like a drug culture thing. This isn't like, hey, let's take this as a drug. It, oh, that's not how it's used. Yeah. This is a considered a very powerful magical medicine and a way to commune with spirit and with source and learn a lot about this universe and about what's magical and mystical about it. And, um, you know, there's something amazing about the strength that you get from the ceremony itself. You get like extraordinary strength. And so you can go through that process of throwing up and not getting so tired. And uh, it is actually really, really amazing how it all works out. That sounds like you that literally sounds, gave me chills. Oh, I know. Story. That was so cool. And, and like that was your first time over 20 something when you're in your 20s. Yeah. How many times have you done it since then? I've done over 1,500 times. Oh yeah, because I was going to say you're a facilitator. Yeah. You but like, always you coach people through but, it. So you do it with the group? Yeah, yeah, with the groups. Yeah. But do you always take the same amount you threw back when you were the – out there they have different amounts you can drink the same amount you can drink a little less there's a threshold amount that gets you in the experience and there's it's sort of like with it it's it's interesting about the amount because people throw up right so yeah. if you don't absorb it you you drank it but it came out and you'll yeah. see it in people's buckets right so it's hard to always tell how much somebody really absorbed versus how much they drank in a cup yeah in our case once you become a facilitator you don't really throw up very very much anymore so you absorb all of it and so you typically will drink a little bit less, but it's still enough to be fully visionary. And you, you learn how you, to. You have yeah. these visions while you're also. Um, yeah, that's how you facilitate. Yeah, you facilitate through the visions. I would love to just. So, like, can you even when you're just sit and be a part of just watching it? Like, just yeah, for see. sure, absolutely. Yeah, people sit in and sober all the time and watch the ceremonies. It's amazing. It's it's amazing what happens. And I've had people who didn't believe us at all. They thought we were making it up. You know, they, they're incredulous and and didn't think there was any truth to it. And I had them I had them sober sit in the room and they came out the next day like this. They were like, OK, OK. One of them walked outside. One of them walked outside and looked up at the ceremonial house and saw a, a spiraling column of darkness coming out of the top of the ceremonial house like smoke. And there was no smoke in the room. And it was, that person was a, a hater and stone cold sober, like a real <laughs> troll. It just was like, no, I'm going to prove you guys are just making this up. And they came and out. Did the they try like, it after they, that? They, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they decided to participate after that. They were like, okay, I need okay, that's some magical stuff going on. You got to, I'm in. Can I ask this then? The guy that you said was a hater and whatnot, did yeah. you see any improvement, any changes in that? Yeah. Yeah, they purge, they purge a lot of their darkness and, you know, a lot of their negativity is just accumulated within them. And there isn't a judgment or a criticism in it. You know, people who don't know, are, they still don't know. So, you know, I didn't know when I didn't know I had all these doubts and fears and, and ideas and judgments and stuff. So we remember that. And, you know, little by little, we help support people in understanding that there's something much more magical and mystical going on with life. And when you tap into it, it's amazing because it enriches what you know of about your life, right? It's like your whole world expands and there's so much more help and support for you and so much more kindness and compassion. And, and so that's just a beautiful thing to awaken into. 
Yeah, that's an amazing experience. Yeah, that's I want to do that. Let's go. I know, right? <laughs> um, what what is Godai.ai? What is that about? Yeah, Godai is a actually an AI platform. Uh, a person who came down on one of our retreats, Isaac, and I created it. And it's a um, it's a chat program. It's a technology program so that you can talk to different kinds of spiritual leaders. So there's a shaman and a, a female shaman and there's a priestess and a, a priest and uh, different religious figures and stuff. But it it's all from the databases that AI was coded on. And so you can chat into it and ask any kind of spiritual question you have. You could ask any question about psychedelics, how to use them. You could ask any question about you know the visionary plants we've been talking about. And it'll give you an answer in the first person as if you're really chatting with that shaman or with that priestess or the monk or the you know martial arts specialist etc so it's a way for people to go and connect with ais that have been trained on being spiritual teachers and they can answer your questions cool that's cool yeah so you just go to godai.ai it's online you can sign up for free and you can start to use it and ask any questions you have like you could ask the same questions you asked me like what is ayahuasca and how is it used and it'll immediately give you answers and it can even speak back back the answers and recite the answers for you. Cool. Cool. Scared of AI, but some of it's cool. <laughs> I think there's some reasons to be, but uh, we have to embrace technology just like we need to embrace these plants and make them good. Like, let's get in front of that and figure out how to make that thing good instead of having that thing be something we need to be scared of. Yeah. And I love that you're taking technology to help spread like spiritual and like natural messages like getting that information out there for people yeah well, one of the cool things about it is you know when you go to a spiritual teacher the spiritual teacher only knows what that person knows and that's it but if you go to an ai that was trained on all the spiritual texts that was on all the writings on all the historical stuff it is that ai knows so much more about you know these topics than it than one typical person does and so it's a great place to go get information and, you know, get some questions answered about those topics. Awesome. Well, um, I think we're, I don't have any more questions. Yeah, we've been, yeah, we've been on for a while. We got, I mean, we could probably ask we could a probably thousand talk for more you questions. Forever. Like, I would like, like maybe one of the coolest experiences you had facilitating, like when you're, okay, have to <laughs> when you're facilitating, right. And you're, yeah. you're, you're under the influence of ayahuasca and so are the people yeah. there. Are you literally like in their visions with them? Do you see what they're seeing sometimes? Does that happen? Like, how do you help facilitate? Yeah, yeah it can be. It's, it's dynamic. It's a really dynamic thing. It takes a lot of training to, you know, learn how to do it. But uh, there's a collective field. There's a visionary field that we're all in. And then there's the visionary fields that each individual person is in. And then there are their thoughts too, right? So we don't go into their mind. We don't go into their thoughts. You know, that's a very sacred place for each person. So it can be also really scary if you feel like someone else is in your thoughts with you. You know, so we stay in that place of that collective field and everybody's in there in different visions. And it is possible to share those visions with everybody. And, um, it's just an amazing experience. I'll, I'll give you an example. A, a, you know, a guy came down and he wanted to connect with me in that way in ceremony to see if I really saw him. And it happened in his vision at that time that he was uh, riding this, in his vision, he was riding a dragon. So he's on a dragon in his vision and he's flying on the dragon, right? And he came to like, look at me. And I saw him out of the, the right hand side of my vision. And I saw him on a dragon. 
And I said hi to him. I connected with him. And I saw him on the dragon. I'm like, hey, what's up? And uh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, then that was the vision. And I went off to other things I needed to do. And he went off flying with the dragon. And so the next day he came in breakfast now, not knowing if this was real or not, or, you know, kind of scared. If not, he was like just in a delusion. And I looked at him and I was like, dragon, dragon, you know, and I was like, looking at him like that. And his mouth just went, ah, yeah, he, Holy was, shit. he was just like, oh my God, he saw that. Like, how'd you see that? Oh my God, we were really connected. I'm like, yeah, we were really connected. That's amazing. So like, that's really amazing. But for me, I think the most amazing things, um, and they're actually pretty common. They're pretty consistent, which makes it neat because, uh, because it's also so amazing and it never like gets old is when people really open up to source or when they meet what they call God, I think is really amazing. Like they come out the next day and they say like, like, you know, I, I met source last night. Like I met the source of this whole universe. Like, like that happened. And I was yeah. like, yeah, well, how was that? And it's always miraculous. And so that's really amazing. And then the other is when people have miraculous healing. I think that's just phenomenal. So when people go to both of those places, I think that that's really special because it gives a lot more context to their life and a much deeper understanding. And it's not the, it doesn't have to be the same for everybody, but for those people, it's really powerful. Like I, on the last retreat I did, there was a guy who was like an atheist for most of his life. He didn't have any connection with source or with God in any way. And he came out of it and he said, I met God and like, I'm not an atheist anymore. And I just asked him like, well, how was that? And he said, it was amazing. And it was what he was looking for his whole life. And he just didn't want to believe in anything, but he didn't have to believe in something because he met source. He actually talked with source. And I think that if somebody has that kind of spiritual awakening, that that's just miraculous. Like you can't put that really into words or into any kind of box. And that's that person's experience. And I don't put that experience on anybody else, but I know that that person now understands something for himself. That's you know very important for his life. And so I think those are like really amazing and they actually happen a lot. Wow. I can't imagine. That's amazing. That's moving. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the world that we live in today. A lot of more people need to connect. Exactly. Outside of this. Mm -hmm. We're so people when they meet spirit. I mean, the other thing is when spirits heal people is really interesting. Like really fascinating. Like recently there was, this one was really cool too. There was a person who had a stomach disease. They had like a, a legit stomach disease diagnosed and everything like that. They're on medications for a long time. And these two, uh, like seven, eight foot tall praying mantis insect doctors came to him. In his vision. In his vision. He's sitting there in the chair, but he's fully awake in his body, right? Like, but in a vision, fully awake. And he's looking straight forward. And he says, standing in front of him are two praying mantises. Heads are like this big. They're like eight it's feet terrifying. tall. They're like eight feet tall. And he says, they're dressed like doctors. <laughs> They have like white masks on and like, <laughs> and but they don't have hands. They have these like long, you know, like insect. I can totally like spikes, see it. Right. And they go and they go into his stomach like this. And they were taking it out. And they take stuff out of his stomach. And the next day he no longer had the stomach disease. Wow. Yeah. And that was proven by like doctors. He went back home and the doctor's like, nope, you don't have the disease anymore. We can't explain why or how, but you don't have and to be on medication like, what anymore. did you do? Yeah, he's like, well, I drank ayahuasca. And they're like, well, hey, you got healed. We don't know how to explain it yet. But that's really cool, too, when those kinds of things happen. You just, it's hard to, uh, again, it's hard to even imagine that. That's really special. Yeah. I almost feel, it feels like everyone should tr should try this. Right, I know. <laughs> All of us no, are available. Probably Come on down. Better place Come on down. If Come on down. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Amazing. It's something to think about. And uh, we'll provide everybody with the resources on our show when we do um, post our interview. And um, we usually we post it to our patrons and then we um, we post it on Wednesdays. But we will let you know. We'll we'll link you. And then, you know, like all of your websites and your email and all that stuff. We'll make a card when we intro you on the show and let people know how they can get in touch with you. And um, yeah, yeah I and mean, before we end, is there anything else you wanted to share or anything before we end? Our- no, just thanks so much. And, you know, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'd love to come back any other time you'd like to have me. And uh, just, you know, if anyone's interested in these experiences, know to find reputable people, be safe and just know that it's out there. I mean, I think it's just it makes life more interesting to know that this stuff exists in the world. And it's okay that it's new for people. And just if it, if you're called to it or you need it, especially if you need it as a medicine, it's so good to know that there's this kind of help out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I might be calling. I know. <laughs> I might find myself out there purging. Yeah. And we, we, yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on the show. I'm sure we'll come up with a lot more questions. I would love to meet Source. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Amazing. Thank well, thank you so much. much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you all. It's been thank a real you. pleasure. And that was our conversation with Hamilton Souther, founder of Blue Morpho and Blue Morpho Academy, the innovator, visionary, master shaman, technologist focused on the intersection of consciousness and technology. You can reach him at bluemorphoacademy.com. He also has an AI project, godai.ai, bluemorphotours.com, bluemorphoacademy.com. And on Facebook, you can find his at Hamilton Souther Official. And on Instagram, he's at Hamilton, Hamilton Souther. So there it is, folks. Thank yeah. you for joining us in the spooky episode. I mean, it was. I mean, I think next hard. time we we do at ayahuasca, it's definitely gonna be with in the Amazon. Oh. We're gonna go to fruit. We have the end of the show song. Show, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I like. How about this one? How about this one? End of the show. Yeah, I like that one. I like actually. it. It's so old timey and like vaudeville and yeah. you know that's right up my alley. <laughs> I like the second one more. Yeah, I like the I think we can even more. add like it even sounds like you could add end of the show at the end. Oh. And it would actually go with the We're gonna add some vocals to it, you guys. Show. Yeah. yeah, so we gotta Go. add a couple. Yeah, do it again. Now I got it. Go do it again. Now I want to do it. Oh, now I missed it. But I think it could work. I think it could work. There has to be a couple things since we have reached the. Oh yeah, yeah. We can end of the show. Oh, she wants to write a whole ditty, a whole little ditty, whole end of the show theme song. Just a little one liner thing, you know. Yeah, we can make it work. Yeah, I can see it. I can you see can it. hear it. You yeah. hear it. Yeah. <laughs> now let's put our bongs away. We've reached the, the end, end of the show. show. That's or perfect. Something. See, I think or you got it. Like that. <laughs> Look at that. All my all my theater training has <laughs> has paid off for this one moment. You ready to do it live? Yeah, sing it. Like with it. Let's see if we can. That's too good. Let's go back. Let's go back. Ready? Okay, hold on.
It's like I'm following you. Put your bongs away. What is what it? As it? it goes, uh, now. Ah! Oh, I did it again. <laughs> now it's time to put your bongs away. We've reached boop the end of the show. Right? Love it. Let's try it again. The whole beginning part you, you said now it's time to put wait you said that before okay time to really put good. your yeah. bongs away we've time reached to put the our end, end of the show. show yeah yeah right let's try it again time to put our bongs away we've the end of the show. Your bones are more bones away. Wait, was that the same song? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I'm stumped. I feel like it worked so well the first time we improved it, and now I'm just jacking it up. Anyways. That was great. <laughs> I think there's one in there you could use for sure. <laughs> hey, you pa- patrons, you. <laughs> we love you. Yes, yes. Even though I, even though sometimes I'm missing in action, I'm still stuck at the end of the show song. Oh, you want to do it one more time? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm just thinking about it. Oh, look, I packed a bowl. Oh, you did. Yeah. So I'm gonna smoke it. <laughs> okay. So thank you so much for to our patrons and everyone that's here listening right now. Special thank you to our in the rotation and OG patrons. Destiny, Lauren, Christy, Beaches, Meredith, Natalie, Angelina, Jenny, Catherine, Jay, Jesse, Diane, Gabby, Leslie, and Selena. <laughs> I've got the giggles, y'all. I'm telling you, this is good. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Peace.